0: Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So, um, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, I was saying I think it's pretty easy to get along long term. Right. Um, and then the people who show up, uh, they've made no contribution, obey or else. Yeah. And it turns out that or else is that they will call me names. <laughs> The most fam- famous example being the Fouch video. Thanks to the Fouch video, we get 70% fewer people here. But the good news is that the people that do arrive are of a far higher caliber. Um, I mean, you weren't here for before and after. No. You're here just for the after. Correct. But you you got to hear from Fred and me and Jocelyn and yes. And uh, about the before. Correct. And, of course, there's artifacts mm-hmm. from the before. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I wrote about that some in the ERE forum thread as well. Yeah.
0: The The thing is, is that I am stating that the people that have been coming here have been lovelier, way lovelier. Way better people, um, and then than they were before the Fouch video. Right. And um, I think it's in large part thanks to the Fouch video. Right. Um, and I I I don't think you can really make a judgment call, but you can you know you can make up anything if you want. You what would you say about about I want to say, do you think that the people that are here now are better than the people that were here before the Fatch video? But, of course, you have no way of really knowing, other than all the stories you've heard, I guess.
1: Right. Well... But
0: there's also the artifacts.
1: I was going to say, based on my observations of what those people left behind... Like, um,
0: what they physically left behind.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, their physical stuff that they left, their trash and shit. Um, Sometimes... Actual human shit <laughs> um, in in piles and buckets um, versus like having interacted with the people here for a year and I believe having quite a good idea of their character and how they take care of things mm. and how well they follow through on what they say they're going to do. I am confident in believing the people here <laughs> versus, you know... What some dude said on the internet I mean like you can Actually literally write anything That you want to on the internet Uh. Without it being true Uh, You were telling me a story from the great earlier. I don't know if you want to put that oh, in the podcast. Right.
0: So Fred and I watched this series called The Great, and it's about Catherine the Great, and this woman shows up, and she's so happy, and she's gonna, she's Catherine, and uh, she's like on her way to Russia. She's going to be an empress. Oh, she's so excited. She's going to be in love. It's going to be the biggest romance ever, and um, I don't know. The, the show, the series was just fun, and, um, and Fred's, Fred's Fred doesn't want to watch shows very often. And and So it's like, so he, he and I made it through. It took us like a month to get all the way through it, I think. Um, But she shows up and one of the first things that they're going to do is like the test. (laughs) And so this grody old dude (laughs) is like, we have to, we have to verify that you're intact. Right. And so, uh, once she didn't understand, so she's like, what? What? I don't know. So once she understood, she's like, oh, no, that's, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's not, and he's like, and yet, that's what's about to happen. <laughs> and so, um, throughout the, throughout the rest of the series, and that greasy old fucker over there stuck his fingers in me! And so, <laughs> okay, so he verified, This is important. Yes. Verify that she was indeed an intact virgin. All right. Now, later in the series, there's all the women of the court. And they decided it would be funny to start spreading the rumor around (laughs) that she fucked a horse before coming out. (laughs) so so then this kept fucking coming up like she'd be out there'd be peasants and it's like it is the empress and they'd say you mean the one that fucked a horse (laughs) and then she'd be a thousand miles away visiting some king or something like that so what was it like fucking a horse (laughs) and it's like seriously
1: really so I think I never fucked a fucking horse so I think, I think where you're going with this is, you know, the slumlord article and the Fouch video is essentially your version of fucking the horse. Yeah. Like yeah. every time you go on the internet somewhere to I like- I try to
0: talk about, I'm saving the world this week. Right. You know, and I'm gonna reduce your carbon footprint, I'm gonna save everybody. Right. And it's like, uh, they hear about the fucking the horse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You mean like this thing here with the slumlord thing? Right. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's, and, and you know what the bottom line is, is I feel like I am super fucking awesome. If, if somebody wants to say shit about me, they have to make shit up. (laughs) You know? Right. It's like that, I think that says, I feel like every, I feel personally like, Wow, I am fucking amazing. If if they have to make shit up, because it's like, I mean, look at all the people that are at they actual scoundrels, right? They really did do that shit, yeah. And and it's like, uh, and now they've got a PR team kind of brushing it aside and things like that, yeah. Uh, and and it's like at the same time, it's like, I didn't do that. What's the thing about? I'm a fecophile? file. It's like, what Whoa. are you serious? Well, you didn't see that I one. I didn't
1: see that one it's on there because I assume that's exactly what it sounds like
0: it's the willow candy warehouse
1: oh right that's what it is right. so we're setting
0: aside the buckets of poop for two years
1: okay
0: therefore I'm a fecophile.
1: amazing yeah
0: yes. yeah so it's like uh oh really man really like, and then yeah. and then I'm kind of thinking like this guy who pooped at the chateau des poux every day right and never helped sure you know yeah. and it's like that guy. Yeah. yeah. That's the guy who's saying that. And so it's like, you know, a little help would have been nice.
1: Right, yeah. And
0: so we never did find out who was the person that couldn't deal with seeing a mouse. Maybe right. this guy is the guy that saw the mouse. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, no, oh, well, I don't help with any of this. So there's a mouse. And rather than telling anybody, eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna like... <laughs> raise the alarm with the greater world. <laughs> I don't know, something like uh, that. I have no idea yeah. what the fuck is going on here. Right. And basically in hindsight it all boils down to obey or else. Right. And this is his or else. I didn't obey his weird stuff and and it's like totally contrary to what I'm trying to build. Right. And it's like I'm I'm here now so you're all going to do what I say and if you don't
1: <laughs> well and it's like like reading the permaculture slumlord thing. It's Which like is, that's what I'm talking about. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. But it's like there will be this thing where I can see like the tiny grain of truth in it, but it's so insanely twisted. Yeah. Like, oh, we're not allowed to you know, we have to keep the gate locked at all times. We're never allowed to open the gate. Like you're all locked into some kind right. of like right. crazy compound. And it's like have you ever lived in the country, like, people keep their gates closed because they have livestock and trespassers, and, like, the locals use our land as a dump. Like, they dump trash on it. Yeah. You know... uh Obviously, we don't want them there.
0: Down in Texas, did you guys lock your gates?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, one, we had cattle. But we also had a cattle guard. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, because weirdos come on your land to poach and trespass and, yeah. you know, siphon your gas and whatever people decide to do. Right. Yeah.
0: I've heard some of your stories. Yeah. They're comedic. I mean, like, the levels people will go to. Um, and it's so the reason you need to lock your gates. And it's like, yeah. this is with a locked gate. Right. And they're doing this. Yeah. yeah. So
1: it's like... <clears throat> Yeah, who, yeah. anyway.
0: Oh, you locked your gate, so I took these bolt cutters and I cut your fence down so I can get through. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, you know, how did you get in here? Oh, I use bolt cutters.
1: Right, yeah, and they're just like
0: super <laughs> it, that was That was in my way. Right. You know, um,. Stop bothering me. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, and Texas is also a castle law state.
1: Texas is absolutely a castle law state, but, like... It's
0: just weird to shoot somebody, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's not an infrequent occurrence in my county, and yet, like, it doesn't seem to cut down enormously on the trespassing. I wonder if
0: people are just kind of like, I'm. if somebody kills me because I'm trespassing, I'm okay with that.
1: That seems, I mean, that
0: I've got, my life is so empty and worthless... That would be okay.
1: That seems to be the the position they are implying by their actions. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, moving along with my response. Cult, as I said above, we're definitely a cult. Super culty with a side of concentrated cult sauce. I have really enjoyed bracing our dumb. It keeps the dumb fucks away. Um, if... One speck of what we are doing sounds icky, then please, please, please do not come here. This thing is for the very rare adult that thinks this path is far more awesome than any other path. I don't know, I, I think when I wrote the word adult I was being especially snarky and it was because there's been some people that are 40 years old that come out here and they quite, haven't quite Hit adulthood yet?
1: Right.
0: And, you know, and again, I gotta feel. I feel like I gotta keep saying this. As much as um, I'm complaining about some of the problems we've had. Clearly, we're talking about a person who was a problem while they were right, here for right. two years. Then um. Uh, at the same time, there are some people that have been come, that have come out here that have been absolutely wonderful and lovely, and they've only been here for a short while. Right. There have been people that's like I only get two weeks of vacation, so I came here, yeah, and um, did great things. And so there's a lot of super cool, amazing, awesome people, and I kind of feel like, and and really a big part of this is is like let's continue doing this. Because the awesome people outnumber the icky people.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and there's like, right now, I think the group of people we have here is just really, really cool. Like, I really like the people here right now. And it just makes boring podcasts to be like, everyone here is great. We love our life. It's nice. (laughs) You know, so we end up talking about the icky stuff. Uh,
0: I get the sense that, okay, this is something that somebody else wrote, um, so I'm quoting them. I get the sense that one has to comply or be kicked out. That creates fear that chokes healthy dialogue, people, and organizations.
1: Right. I, yeah.
0: Go ahead. How you gonna how you gonna do that one? Uh, Oh, you're fucked now, man.
1: (laughs) You're fucked now Right. Well, I mean one, I have to say that I I have yet to experience any, you know, fear of you and your your dictatorial hammer. But it's it's basically a case of like, yeah, if I were constantly being asked to do things that I thought were immoral or unfair or things that I didn't want to do.
0: You just said I get to ask for a few of those things.
1: Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And like... The threat was you have to do these things or I'm gonna kick you out. Then yeah. like I wouldn't be here. Yeah. That would have lasted until thing number one, you know, and then I would have Wait, been gone. Wait, I just took
0: all the things back. Sure. You just I, said like, there was a it, moment ago. You said there could be a few.
1: Oh, I see. Now it. because there's I zero. said if you were constantly doing that. <clears> well, <throat> let me rephrase that to if you were doing it at all. So okay. like all right. right, I don't. I actually have a pretty like. You know, knee-jerk reaction to being dictated to. So if you were like, if I felt like that was a dynamic, I wouldn't be here. But I just, I agree with your values and like share most of your vision for what you want this place to become. So it just doesn't become an issue most of the time. And when there are like disagreements about accomplishing it, it usually just either works out to, like, well, you, Jennifer, or whoever is the one doing it, so do it your way. Or, like, turns out I, Paul, am the one paying for this, so, like, okay, Paul, I'll do it your way, because, yeah. like, I'm not going to pay for it, and it's not my property. And that's, like, 1% of the time, and the rest of the time, there's just not an issue. Yeah, I, and I nobody's ever, like, mean about it.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of like, when have I been super dictator There have, the only times I feel like I whip out the black crown, as I call right. it. Right. And it's like time for me to put on the black crown. And, um, is when, generally when somebody is behaving poorly. Right. And they're, or more likely they're telling me how I'm going to do things now. Right. You know, and it's like, this is the way you'll do it now. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, wait, here, let me put on my black crown. No.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, like, that's kind of the worst thing that ever happens is you say, like, no. I'm not going to do that. Nor am I going to provide you the resources to do that. You know, you don't. I've, you've never actually said that. But like worst right, I'm case, thinking like yeah, because
0: I don't. You've never come to give me some sort of ultimatum. Or no, no, like no. That. Like, but
1: I'm saying like the worst, mm. like let's assume the worst possible abuse of your dictator power. Right. You're just saying like no, I will not obey you. Nor will I give you my money and my land to do this thing I don't agree with. It's not like you're saying. you know, you have to stand on your head or kick yourself in the face or something like...
0: I think that the worst, the most extreme thing I've done as dictator to people that are behaving well is that they might say, they might phrase something a particular way, Mm -hmm. and I'll say could you please rephrase that just a little bit so that... I... There's room for me to exist here or something. Right. Something weird. It's like they just... It was a stumble of the English language. Like, if I
1: came to you and I said, Paul, we've got to make the floors at Allerton Abbey the priority this week. We've got to.
0: Then I would say, I don't set the priorities, Fred sets the priorities. Right. All I do is make whiny sounds in Fred's general direction. Exactly. It's the most I can do. Fred's got far more variables dancing around his head than I do. I don't understand what the hell is going on as well as Fred does. Fred has to make the decision. And so whining to me does nothing and I'd appreciate it if you didn't whine to Fred either.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like, yeah, that's pretty much like, yeah, the lowering of the hammer is is that severe you know yeah, so like yeah, if you can live with that level of not getting your way then yeah. I think you'll be fine yeah <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it's like uh, I think I think for the For anybody that's here, I don't recall whipping out the Black Crown.
1: No, I don't recall ever getting the Black Crown. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But there are people that are not here now. Right. Where on their way out, they needed to get the Black Crown, but they had made an ultimatum.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: What you are doing is unacceptable. Right. And then I put out the Black Crown and and I say, then I guess you just are, then you're on your way out. Right. Because you find what I'm doing unacceptable, and I uh, get it. Yeah. So I guess you're
1: done here. Right. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the worst thing that happens to you, is that you choose to leave or get asked to leave because you can't, like, work with the way things that are done here.
0: Yeah. yeah if somebody think... does that. And I think, it, I mean, that what they're doing is they're playing hardball, right? Right. You know, they're trying to say, what you're doing is unacceptable, so now you have to do what I say. Right. You know, because, of course, you're not going to do something that's unacceptable to me, right? And I guess... And it's like, that's a a power play, man. Right. And it's like, watch how that works while I'm wearing the black crown. Crown.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think, like, what people imagine when they bring this up on forums, which happens a lot, is like... You know, they they work up the scenario in their head where they've slaved away for 40 hours a week for two years and got their acre, and then one day you say, like... Get the fuck out. I demand that you do this thing suddenly. It it does
0: sound like a setup for some sort of murder she wrote or something. Right,
1: right, and then, you know, they're like, no, Paul... I refuse to wear polka dots on my head every day yeah. and you're like then get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they lose yeah. all their labor and everything they've put into the right. you know the project and it's like that's just not really how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I I think if if anybody is concerned even the tiniest little bit then don't come. Right. You right. know and this is only for the people that are not concerned. Yeah. And there seems to be enough. So, yeah. Although right. well, you'd like more people out here and everything.
1: I would love to have more people out what here. Do
0: you, Jennifer, do you think we should lower our standards to allow, you know? No. Uh,
1: <laughs> no. I mean, there are, more, not only would I like more people out here, but like there are categories of people that I would like to have more of. I am currently the only woman here, but it's like, do not lower the standards for you know like oh this woman seems like she might be a little angry but like let's let her come here because we would really like to have more women no
0: no no no. (laughs) don't do it yeah 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 I, I think our standards are really high. I mean, a lot yeah. of people have said that uh, we gotta we gotta stop blocking people that are smokers.
1: Right. Or many ways in which we could make it easier for people to come here. Right. And it's like as much as we want more people, we don't really want it to be easier right. for people to come here uh, in four, certain ways.
0: 420 friendly.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah. We we are not. 420 yeah. friendly yeah. is the summary
0: yeah mm. uh, I mean basically there's a, there's been so many people that are like if you just do this you'll have more people
1: right if right. you just
0: cater to the one thing that I you know is my thing right you'll have more people including me
1: well and, and I think it honestly baffles people because they think we're a hippie commune yeah and so they're really confused by the concept of a hippie commune that does not that is not 420 friendly right But yeah
0: what kind of what kind of group are we
1: I, people who enjoy yeah. gardening and natural building? Okay, I, there you go. Yeah, it's sure. like we're just doing things.
0: Yeah yeah i I kind of think that there's that there's a lot of interest in the experimentation
1: right. I agree. We are Wheaton labs. it is a lab that's a big yeah. part of
0: what we do and so we probably yeah. the people that are not into the experimentation probably go somewhere else
1: yeah I agree with you because if it's like one thing that was said on the forum is like if your goal is to turn out like efficient farmers. Why would you spend so much boot camp time on Mm. experimentation? And it's like, that's genuinely not our goal. Like, there are programs out there to turn out efficient farmers. We're not trying to turn out farmers at all. We're trying to grow gardeners. And like, efficiency would not be our, in our probably top 10 list of criteria.
0: All right. Let me, uh, let me reread this question. Uh, I get the sense that one has to comply or be kicked out. That creates fear that chokes healthy dialogue, people, and organizations. Probably doesn't literally choke the people, but, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I get what they're Worst saying.
1: Worst case scenario. <laughs> it,
0: it, it, yeah. Part of their dialogue. It's a dialogue attached to the people. Body. Yes. Okay. So, <clears throat> my response was, totally true. The healthy people, and I say healthy people in quotes. Quotes. Uh, that have been kicked out had a, quote, healthy dialogue, quote, that struck the the rest of us as some sort of really mean hate speech. And after they were gone, the rest of us felt like our quality of life improved tenfold. Now, those people are free to their healthy dialogue people and organizations someplace other than here. Yeah. Those of us that are here are keen on a particular path. And we enjoy the idea of having more people here that are also keen on this path. But we know we are the weirdos. And a normal, reasonable person will work hard to stop us with the words, for your own good, on their lips. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, the next statement, uh, is where I think Paul is oversimplifying is in the no drama proposition. Where there's peeper, people, there will always be drama. And I don't think I ever said no drama.
1: I don't, I'm not sure what he's referring to or he or she is referring to there. Um but, but yeah, I don't, if you did say that, it must have been a slip of the tongue because I don't think either of us have ever thought that we've eliminated all drama from our existence as a community no
0: i think i think we have like a month at a time or maybe even two months at a time here and there that'll go with with no drama
1: right right
0: um and uh, you know that's a that period of time is a powerfully soul building time. Totally. And uh, and then we'll have somebody here where it's like, oh my! And then everybody's kind of like trying to you know preserve themselves, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Just like ride it out.
0: Yeah, and because you know it'll it'll all it'll all fix itself in time.
1: Right. We haven't really talked exactly about the concept of self-pruning. Do you want to mention that here, or do you want to just save that for another day?
0: Yeah, let's skip over that one yeah. for now. All right. <clears throat> so, um, uh, something about me oversimplifying the no-drama proposition. Uh, and I said, and that is what my community book is about. How to turn the volume knob on drama down from a nine to a one. There is no one thing. There is a long list of little things, enough to fill a collection of books and then still not have it quite right. I would have to say that 90% of the time, it has been a powerful soul-building experience. No drama at all. And lovely people sitting around the dinner table talking about fascinating, awesome stuff. Magnificent ideas and plans, complete with strategies to make it happen. After all, the whole truly passive greenhouse experiment came from this sort of thing. And the remaining 10% of the time, we are struggling with one person, and then the problem goes away. Correct. Mm, Okay. All right, the next uh bit that I'm quoting, uh somebody oh I think this is going off into a different thing. They're they're asking questions about the greenhouse.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, all right. I'm going to I'm gonna stop there, but then um, I told you that I was writing this and then you wrote this. Do you wanna have this be your format, your your template for what we're talking about? I mean sure. we are trying to this is on the E R E forum. Right. And so we are trying to talk about early retirement extreme. Right. What do you believe? Because I'm told that I apparently don't understand what ERE is. Right. What do you believe is ERE?
1: Right. Well, I mean, the easiest way to explain it is probably kind of the, like, the mechanical explanation, like, you're reducing your expenses drastically, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the extreme part, to achieve retirement, which is usually through financial independence, so your investment capital is returning more money than your expenses, mm-hmm. essentially. And you do that early, like, in 3, 5, maybe 10 years instead of 40, as you would working at a typical job before you retire. Okay. Um. And, I mean, I think Jacob Lundfisker emphasized is that it's it's a systems approach it's a strategic approach rather than like a
0: mathematical approach
1: right or like it's a map that you learn to read as opposed to a set of directions right like it's adaptable to your situation so i think i think some people when they say like oh, ERE isn't about finances or something like that, or maybe getting at that aspect of it, like it's a lifestyle and a way of thinking. Mm -hmm. But I think it's honestly largely about finances. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had a guy on the thread today who was commenting, or maybe a guy, um, who knows, they're on a forum, a user, who was saying, like, he thinks that the lifestyle I was living before coming here, where I only worked three months out of the year, and I had enough capital to live for many years, but was not financially independent, is still like living an ERE lifestyle. Like, that falls under, I've achieved ERE even though I haven't achieved financial independence. And it's like, maybe. Um, I think that there are, are things to be said in that realm. But to me, my goal was to achieve financial Financial independence, so that I no longer had to work for a living at all.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, should I read this, or can you read your, can, your own thing? I can. I can read
1: it. Okay. Um, so I say I am the Jennifer that Paul has been referring to in this thread. Um, I'd like to address the shortcut issue and why I say that Wheaton Labs is a shortcut to ERE for me. Um, and I'm writing this because, like, a lot of people in the thread kind of just said, like, no, it's totally not a shortcut. That's yeah. Not, that's not how this is. That bitch is la! Kill it! Kill it! speaks again. I, I. They seem to imply that what I was saying, or what that you were reporting that I was saying, was inaccurate. So I wanted to explain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they said. Inaccurate. Yeah. So,
1: um, I. Th- ah! <laughs> I said um, I've never had nor wanted a career or a salaried job I find the constraints on my time to be too soul draining. The thing I value most is the ability to spend my time learning and doing the things that interest me. So my timeline to ERE looked longer than the standard. Before coming here, I had accumulated about six to eight years worth of living expenses after which, I must confess, my motivation to continue accumulating capital lost a great deal of its urgency I was living in my truck, working seasonal jobs, usually campground hosting in a national forest for part-time California minimum wage, which is about 11.50 an hour, uh, for about three, three months per year, and living off that income for the remaining nine months or so out of the year, and then stashing the remainder away. Um, I was saving a bit of money that way, but even with my very low expenses, my investment capital was still growing quite slowly. So, like, typically someone who does ERE kind of like the classic way, usually they have a decent job, like thirty thousand a year, sixty thousand a year, maybe even, you know, a nice professional wage in the hundred thousand and up range. Um, I've never had that. I've made fifty bucks an hour doing freelance work, but I would just work like enough hours a month to pay my bills, which was like four. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is the first I'm hearing about the four thing.
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't always four. When I was first starting out, I had to work more than that. But, like, once I got everything, you know, I bought my condo in cash. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um... I never have had, like, a steady, salaried career job. Mm-hmm. Um, so ERE was slow for me. Then stuff happened. I won tickets to a permaculture design certification and appropriate technology course here at Wheaton Labs, became interested in the experimental Wofati structures, proposed staying over the winter to test one, ended up joining the boot camp temporarily to help complete the structure so I could move in, because it wasn't <laughs> built yet. It um, was kind of built. It was, okay, it wasn't finished. Okay, that's <laughs> um, fair ultimately found the boot camp valuable enough that I chose to remain in it and have now been a boot for over a year. Um, And so then I say the value that I found in the boot camp is threefold. Um, The first fold, being financial. So housing and high quality food are free here. I put less wear on my truck and I use almost no gas. Overall expenses are drastically reduced beyond what I was able to achieve elsewhere. I bottomed out at about 150 a month before coming here, mm-hmm. um, which actually at that rate I could have lived a lot longer than six to eight years without working, but still.
0: That's your um, all-time low that you're super proud of. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. Damn, I'm good. Right, right. Yes. Um, now, I'm
0: so fucking extreme. Those motherfuckers over there say they're extreme. They don't know
1: nothing. <laughs> yes, that. Like that, okay. <laughs> totally. Um, now, living here at Wheaton Labs, I'm at about $50 a month, yeah. um, and I live a lot more luxuriously. Like, I would not be buying the organic produce that we're buying here. I wouldn't be taking a hot shower all the time. You know, it's it's nice. Um, and I can see ways to reduce my expenses even further as I progress here. Um, after one month of boot camp, a person can choose an acre to play with that can ultimately become theirs for life after two years in the boot camp. I'm developing that acre in my spare time and by the time my two years are up, I should have enough infrastructure and food established that I can feed myself and even produce income. So I'm not worried about a sharp increase in expenses after leaving the boot camp. I'm saving about as much money as I did working seasonal jobs, which isn't much, um, but I need much less capital to generate sufficient income to cover my expenses now, which I actually did the math today, and now um, the capital that I have in the bank at a 3% rate of withdrawal, I'm, I'm essentially financially independent of my expenses here. So, like, my 50 bucks a month expenses here, I'm now I have enough money in the bank to generate enough interest and well, dividends to cover but, that.
0: But you'd have to call the boot camp, like, that's your retirement. Like, being in the boot camp is being retired.
1: Right, exactly. Which like, is like, yeah, not, no. not
0: exactly.
1: No, yeah. right. And that's why I say, like, if after two years I move it on to my own plot, then I'd be, yeah. like, the things that you're providing, I'd be providing for myself, housing and food. Right. Right. And so I'd be pretty well set. But that does require actually staying long enough to get the acre. um, dum ba Uh, Okay, so second point was knowledge and skills. Um, I came here having made a living in animal agriculture and grown enough food to feed myself and many others. I didn't really need to develop those particular skills, although I have learned a lot even in those areas since coming here. However, I didn't have much in the way of natural building, forestry, or earthworking skills. My shop and welding skills were weak, and I went Wanted to develop my design skills. Bootcamp allows me to do all of that. I don't experience the soul drain of wasting my time at a job because there's like about an 85% match between what we do in bootcamp and what I'd choose to do with my time anyway. Um, even if this place were blasted off the face of the earth by a comet next year, I believe that the opportunity cost of being here would probably be a wash in terms of my ERE progress due to my increase in skills and social capital and the projected financial results thereof. And then the third way that I find a lot of value in the bootcamp is community. Um, I'm a natural loner. I enjoy long-distance backpacking and wilderness jobs where I don't see other humans for weeks at a time. I expected living in community to be a downside for me here. Um, however, being surrounded by people who share my values and interests has accelerated my learning and my progress on personal projects dramatically. It feels like being pushed downstream by the current instead of swimming upstream all the time. On the occasions that I do want to buy something, I'm much more likely to find people here interested in sharing a Bulk purchase of saffron crocuses, or a vintage two-person crosscut bucking saw, than I am. Even in my rural hometown, there's a culture of like mutual assistance and bartering established here already, which makes decoupling from the money economy much easier and less socially awkward than I've found it to be elsewhere. Um, moreover, although my little plot is only one acre, I'm surrounded by a more extensive land base that's managed in a way that matches my values, in which I can access through community relationships which wouldn't be the case if I just went out and bought a single acre of my own. Um, I suspect that that for someone who is making, say, $60,000 a year, this place might not be a shortcut to ERE for them. For me it is, and I'm much happier doing it this way. For someone who has no interest in this way of life, it would obviously be a disaster. The risks are certainly of a different sort than those experienced by someone on a more traditional ERE path. <sighs> right, that was a lot of reading.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh I think that the most important thing out of this is that um I mean, well there there is another quick thing. Yeah. And that is that um which is kind of funny. Uh the last Kickstarter mm-hmm. you got the dailyish emails. Right. And they said, you know, we're doing a Kickstarter, we're doing a Kickstarter, and you're kinda of looking at it going, uh huh. Uh huh. And you're like, I'm not gonna give you any money because I'm I'm pinching all my monies.
1: Right. Totally. And,
0: and then, uh, <clears throat> but it was on like two hours before the the end of the Kickstarter. We got two hours left in the Kickstarter.
1: Something like that. Yeah, it was kind of down to the wire.
0: Yeah. And um, I think we sent along a list of all the stuff you would get at 100 bucks.
1: Correct.
0: And somehow there were, th- like, five items on the list where you were kind of thinking of getting those five items anyway.
1: Right. Like, it's stuff that I would have already considered spending money on. Not like you know, when they try to sell you a, something at the department store, and it's like, get this free vase with any purchase of, you know, a bed and a bag or whatever, and you're like, I don't want a vase, so why would that make me buy your <laughs> shit? But this was all stuff that I would have gone out on my own and at least considered purchasing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Alright. And so then you supported the Kickstarter at the at the last minute. Yes. And then, um, uh, yeah, then, then the rest of it you talked about, you got the Ticket to the PDC. He came out, and uh, I think I think when you you when you originally came out, you were going to be here for the events and then go. Correct. <clears throat> and then, uh, but you did show up like three days before the PDC started, and you helped out. Right. Um just for laughs and
1: I drove faster than expected and so I was like in Missoula and thought, Yeah, I'll come out and help out, why not? That'll okay. be cool. Yeah.
0: And uh and then I remember it was during the PDC that you approached me and said, Can I stay over this winter and do the annualized thermal inertia test on Allerton Abbey? Right. And uh I, I thought I'm glad that you actually know how to say annualized thermal inertia. <laughs> Um, and so clearly you've done at least a little bit of research, right, uh, and so sure, yeah, whatever, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, well, and the original plan was actually that I was gonna be like not in the boot camp and living in Allerton Abbey, just doing the thermal inertia test for the winter, mm-hmm. but then it was kind of like, well, it's gonna be a little while before you can move in while the boot camp finishes allerton abbey and so then i joined the boot camp to help finish the structure because it seemed like kind of a dick move to just like
0: sit there (laughs) and watch (laughs) yeah drink some lemonade (laughs) and bitch about you're not doing that right like that exactly from from your chair (laughs) so um so uh uh so you joined the boot camp and uh, if I remember correctly, that was kind of funny. Um, uh Apparently, the boot camp was a little harder work than you've done in a while.
1: Yeah, well, it's like the work I was doing is very seasonal. Back on the ranch, so yeah. like I'll be in really good shape one part of the year, yeah. and then like really terrible shape the rest of the year. And I was in the really terrible shape phase. Okay, All right.
0: <laughs> so you're kind of winded and you're kind yeah, of yeah. Like, I was oh, like, oh man. yeah, it's been
1: a while since I, you know, actually like did some physical labor.
0: And it seemed like it was about the third week or so that you got through that.
1: Yeah, then, I'd say so. I mean, yeah. it's like it it is what it is. Nobody really pushes you super hard or anything but it was just like my feelings were like wow I've only been sifting this gravel for 20 minutes and I like need to go sit down and have a you know swig of water (laughs) and then by week three it's like okay yeah I can spend a good two hours sifting this gravel before I need to go take a sip of water kind of thing yeah Yeah.
0: so right no one's no one's like uh, hey you you, what are you doing there sipping that water
1: right yeah I mean like if you're sipping water for like 40% of your boot day We might start to wonder if (laughs) you're. Are you
0: okay? (laughs) Yeah, like we need to take you to a hospital,
1: right? Like, and you know, is this week one or if it's like week nine and you're sipping your water for 40% of the boot day, then it might be like. Maybe we mm-hmm. need to think about this. We
0: kind of expect people in their first week to get... To get, like... They need to rest a lot.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so,
0: it's, like, totally cool. <laughs> right. Nobody. So, for those people that come out here for just a week... Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I, I don't know if I should out Scott, but I know that Scott... I know Scott's talked about saying this. Right. But but he felt the same way when he first... His first week was tough, and it was about the third or fourth week that he got, you know... Right. And... but. But, um huh. I don't know he he says that he he tells me that he has lost an enormous amount of weight totally. I don't know if he's like eating the same as always or or what, but
1: no i mean he's he said to me that he definitely eats much healthier here. I mean, we, well, there's yeah. that, because
0: yeah. that's all we provide. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: You can't yeah. really eat very unhealthily here. I guess you could just like eat the tubs of coconut oil or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we had a life. guy once that did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> um, let's see. I've got I've got some notes that I wrote down a couple of days ago for yeah. this podcast and then I kind of felt like I wrote most of it in, these, in the In, in posts, the post, which, right. But, um In my book, I talk about the beer plan. Correct. Which is basically um, ERE, but replacing investing with uh, building residual income streams. Correct. And so I've got a note here to ask you, uh, so how much passive income or residual income streams have you built to date? Like your monthly income is how much?
1: Oh gosh. Um I mean it's really very it was really variable when it was from investments, right? It averaged Oh,
0: I thought the answer was going to be this easy 0.00 number.
1: Oh, well, now it is because uh-huh. um Essentially, I invested my money for a while and was doing quite good. Like I was easily making my 3% rate of return and like sometimes it would creep up to 6 or 8. But I did not feel like I had a good enough grasp of when and why it was doing better or more poorly and so I just decided to gracefully exit those investments when they were up. Yeah, yeah And like I could cash out nicely yeah. and and stash the money in a cash position until I was ready to reinvest it. So that's okay. like essentially where I'm at with that. And residual income is exactly 0.00. Um I just I hate marketing. I hate trying to sell stuff. Yeah. I think constantly about trying to create some residual income streams, but it always kind of smashes up on the rock of having to promote myself on the internet, which makes me cringe. Right. And so that's kind of where I'm at with the residual income streams. I think
0: that 99% of people are in the same boat. Yeah. Like there is uh, like getting that first $1 per month that's coming in. As a passive income stream or as a residual income stream, and I'm not thinking about investments.
1: Right, you're thinking of specifically like doing a thing that that you then get like paid for.
0: Right, like and, if and you a if yeah. you put a book up right on Amazon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then um, yeah, then it, right. it there might actually be two copies a month that sell. Right. And then you get that coin. Correct. Um, And I mean, like, there's the book. My my book has a list of stuff in it that you could do. And I'm sure that that's just the beginning. uh, There's probably ten times as many things that you could do. Right. Above and beyond what's in that list.
1: Correct. I just haven't done any of them yet.
0: Right. (laughs) And I kind of feel like... Maybe that's a whole other podcast someday where it's like, what do you got to do? But I, I think most people is kind of like, I need to do that, and by God, this weekend I'm totally going to do that. Just as soon as I'm done watching this show. That,
1: that was a on. good imitation of past <laughs> Jen, except instead <laughs> of watching the show, it was like planting these hazelnuts. But yeah, like. Totally. I, now
0: I, I have this saffron. I
1: yeah. Oh burn. man. Yeah. So much saffron. So much.
0: And there's another project. I'll just, I'll get around to that passive income just as soon as I've done this list of, eight hundred and seventy-two things.
1: Exactly. Like I know how to work, but I just can't bring myself to work on the passive income stuff. It's, it's painful.
0: Yeah. I see. Now I think that that is. That is an amazing, that is, that's like a topic for a podcast. Yeah. But, but let's set that aside. <clears throat> um, I'm looking through my notes here. Um, one of the things that we're doing here is we're trying to grow the future leadership of permaculture. Right. Does that seem plausible?
1: I think it does seem plausible. I, I mean, when you, sometimes when you say that, I kind of think like, who us? <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> but then when I think about it and, like, the other sites that are available and and the options out there, it's like, I think this is one of the best in terms of developing, like... Leadership ability and specialization, and having room to innovate, and you know, if you, I, if I give us a twenty-year timeline too, that helps. It's like if you think, oh, well, I'll be one of the future leaders of permaculture in two years. It's like, nah.
0: No, yeah, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, but twenty years from now, like
0: maybe seven years from now,
1: maybe, yeah, yeah.
0: like yeah. yeah. Um, to kind of tie into the thing about the passive income for a dollar per month, mm-hmm. um, and and now it's like that. It's like you just don't get to it. Right. For some reason, it's like something in in your brain that it's like it is important. And at the same time, there's another part of you that's like, "Mm, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I know exactly what I need to do, but I can't do it. Does the boot camp push you to experience more?
1: Yeah, that's actually one of Mm -hmm. the major reasons I decided to stay in the boot camp, because I had a debate with myself, like, if I had all my time to myself, like if I rented an ant plot or Mm -hmm. just stayed in the abbey, and I dedicated that to learning the skills that were most valuable to me, Mm -hmm. would that be a more efficient use of my learning time than being in the boot camp? Because we do a lot of stuff in the boot camp that I already know how to do, or we do a lot of repetitive stuff that it's like, okay, I learned how to do that in the first five minutes, but now I'm doing it for four hours. Um, But I determined that the value of, one, I mean, being mentored by people with a lot of expertise, like Fred, and two, being semi-forced, like strongly encouraged to do things that I might not otherwise have done because I found them intimidating, like welding was one of those, um, which turned out to be pretty easy. I mean, I'm not like good at it. Yeah, but yeah, it's really But you'll never do
0: it unless somebody's like, put this in your hand. Yeah,
1: exactly, because you think it's like some kind of, like, the Death Star, right? you got to
0: put the mask over your eyes for it to work, okay?
1: (laughs) Right, but it was just, like, really intimidating to me. I would have never gone and, like, rented a welding machine and taught myself how to weld on my own because I would have assumed that I would somehow die. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, like, having Fred be like, okay, this is what you do, and, like, Yeah, it's all cool. And it's like, oh, that took 15 minutes. And yeah, so being pushed into taking on tasks that I would have avoided due to, you know, personal bias is a really big benefit of the boot camp for me.
0: One of the things I've got on here is that if your goal is basically the same thing as Gertitude. And you're not going to come here. Right. But you're trying to go down the ERE road to get there. Right. So, like, let's say that, like, how many years did it take you to get to where you were with ERE before you came here? Was it about three
1: i that's an interesting there were a lot of ups and downs and twists in my path, but yes, okay. let us say three let Let's us
0: say three yeah. okay, and then you're you're coming here, and then it sounds like you're saying that you will reach Gertitude in in two more years, so you've been here a year, so three plus three is six, yeah. Okay. So
1: that's like a pretty good ere timeline.
0: Now, if you're going to do it without here, mm-hmm. then you need to get enough money to be able to buy land.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting proposition. And
0: then you got to build the experience to build something. Yeah. And um, and, and what you mentioned earlier about the land, you're probably going to be surrounded by sprayers.
1: That's the big deal to me is like it's I mean, if you look at it as a one to one comparison, like I'm getting an acre here versus this theoretical but mostly imaginary scenario where you buy one single acre for, you know, 1500 okay. bucks or whatever.
0: One's probably not going to work.
1: It's not going to work. How like, many
0: do you need as your minimum?
1: Uh, you know, I'll go with your number of 80 acres, which is basically Because based you're on, thinking of having cattle. Well, I've had cattle in the past, and I then swore that I would never look at another cow, and now I want <laughs> cattle again. So, yes, <laughs> let's just say so, 80 acres. Okay,
0: so you have to buy 80 acres to do what you want to do, but here you only need one. Right. Yeah. Correct. Because we've got our 206, and then we've got another uh, um, 120 that we manage. Yes. And um, and so there's plenty of acres here for you to run a small herd.
1: Correct. And like you said, you're not worried about, like, you've got a large buffer between you and anybody who is spraying herbicides and pesticides, which you wouldn't have if you just went out and bought your own little dinky acre. 80 acres
0: is probably going to like you know if it's if it's a low cost if it's a reasonably low cost and there's access to it. Yeah. You're probably looking at um 120,000.
1: Yeah, I would say if I got it for 100,000 I'd be like nice.
0: Yeah, you you stumbled into a sweet deal. Like you yeah. you knew that guy that was dying.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like and 100,000 is I mean, that might double your ERE time, depending on, you know, how much you're trying to save up for. But it's like, say it only raises it by 50%. It's like, shit, now I have to work an extra you know, half as long in order to save up money for land.
0: And that's raw land, and there's no water on it. Right. if it had any kind of water on it... You're It'd not... be
1: more expensive. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And so, right, like if your dream is to be in permaculture paradise, and you need land to do it, it, unless you can wiggle around it somehow that's going to significantly increase the amount of capital you have to accumulate before you can have both land and financial independence.
0: Okay. If somebody wasn't keen on cattle, they probably... I would say that, that they could get an acre here or they probably need three acres mm-hmm. elsewhere. Right. And it, it, there's lots of reasons. I mean, you'll need to expand. Sure. Or you might want to expand. If you're going to be there forever. Right. You might later want to expand. And uh, at here... We can handle the expansion. Correct. No, no problem. You, right. Do you need two acres? Do you need three acres? No problem. Yeah. As your needs change. Um, but I think another important thing is, is that if you start on three acres, it's harder to have a garden than if you're on one.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. There's, like, you think you can do this thing where it's like... Math. Right. It's called math. Yes, exactly. You think you can do math, but you can't. <laughs> it's a lie. It's a self-delusion. <laughs> right, like, you think you're going to start off with this tiny part of your three acres and just be like, oh, I'm only going to... Garden this quarter acre patch. Yeah. But it's just the human brain does not end up sticking to that plan very successfully. If you've got more space, you end up diluting your efforts yeah. and taking on more than you can handle.
0: I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think that you're going to be more productive on an acre than if you have three. Yeah. And, um, and then if you get your one acre, Decked out to the point that you've done everything and it's magnificent and beautiful and you're aching for more, right. which that has got to be rare, but it's right. possible. I'm open to it yeah. okay all right then then expand, yeah, but it's like if you're shopping for permanent land, you kind of need to get that acreage up front
1: right yeah you can't really like put it on layaway
0: and then you gotta try and have the discipline to like limit yourself to that first acre yeah okay so anyway uh you've got your land you paid a hundred you needed a hundred grand for that right and you need to get water right and you need a house Oh, man, did you say 80 acres? How are you going to fence that off?
1: Oh, gosh, fencing is so painful. Yeah, like, if that's not fenced, then not only is that an enormous amount of time, but it's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and so... um yeah. So anyway, I guess the thing is, is that I'm trying to make the statement of like, this is a shortcut to ERE. Right. I'm told that I don't know what ERE is. Right. Um, I thought that your explanation of ERE sounded like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But, you know, you're probably right and I'm still wrong. Uh Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I enjoy being right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um... <clears throat> I, I Those numbers vary so much, and it's like, you know, you might need to continue building your um, grub stake right. for 20 years.
1: Right. I mean, it's kind of a weird deal where, like, actually, if my if my acre were girded out, I'd be financially independent right now. Like, if I had, if I'd put in my time. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't need to build my grub stake at all. But it's like, if I wanted to leave here and be financially independent, I'd probably need to accumulate, yeah, maybe 20 years worth of grub stake at the rate I'm going here, because I'm only probably putting away a couple thousand dollars a year, which is not much in terms of, you know, capital investment. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting deal, but, like, I don't know. I feel totally comfortable in the situation I'm in. Like, I... Well, and that's a point I wanted to make is one of the things that came up on the thread is like, oh, this will attract desperate people. Um, because like only people who are desperate would agree to work for 2 years without getting paid in exchange for this just like promise that they get to lease an acre for life. Really? Um well that was one of the Oh, things they said
0: that all is, kinds of sure, weird things sure. that made no sense. I just felt like they were trying to goad me.
1: But I've heard I've seen that come up before in discussions of the program and like we've talked about in the Old Aunt Village program. Right. It you know people who were who were pretty desperate. Like, it might have been the cheap rent more than permaculture that brought them in.
0: I do agree that, um, we suffered from setting the rent too low. Low. And, and so there were people that were tolerating permaculture or tolerating my philosophies on permaculture for the sake of getting the cheap rent.
1: Rent. And I guess one of the points I wanted to make was like, I mean, one, I think the desperate people are mostly, I mean, some people are surely just down on their luck, but mostly those people have some issues and they move along pretty quickly. And the people who end up staying here and being the most successful here are actually the people who are not desperate, who have other options and actually choose to be here because they care about the project or have some larger plan. I I don't understand how
0: desperate would work here.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, i think it's the total opposite and i mean another thing that was brought up was like that you know relying on community allows like a lack of individual responsibility and it's like again here i think the people who do the best and end up staying are people who are highly self-reliant and have a lot of individual responsibility because like if you don't one, you just kind of rub people the wrong way, and it's hard to it's hard to be successful here if you don't have a certain amount of like self- propulsion, yeah,
0: yeah, I kind of get the impression that everybody is like working towards their own thing while being in the boot camp right. and so um, <clears throat> and and that can come in many different flavors, sure. so. There, there were people here before where it seemed like when five o'clock hit, they put their feet up Mm -hmm. and they were not doing their nest labor. Right. And, um, I, I know, and I've mentioned this too many times. I think you've probably heard me say it. What am I about to say? Can you, can you, oh, you can't read my mind on that one? No. No. All right. So there were too many times where, um, somebody would be sitting on the couch watching me build a fire.
1: Oh, oh yeah, no, I have and, heard you say that like, one a
0: lot. Yeah, so I'm bringing in the wood and I'm building the fire again, and yeah. and they'll watch me. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know. <laughs> This is heating you too,
1: right, but then it's like if you don't build the fire, neither will they, and everyone will be cold. It's like a strange yeah
0: yeah and and yeah. it's so yeah. Whereas, like, this year, we had Orin. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> like, Orin was... I never built a fire because I never got the chance.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's what I like, because Orin's building a fire every day. Yeah, no. He's like, I love this Rocky mass heater. It works so good.
1: It was really cool. Like, I liked how he baked his potato in there, too. Yeah, He'd, like, yeah. cook his oatmeal, bake on his the potato. On the barrel. Yeah, his the oatmeal, oatmeal would on the barrel.
0: And the potato would be down, like, in after the, the fire like, burn goes burn out. chamber. Yeah. yeah.
1: it was really cool. It was, like, that's really efficient. Nice. <laughs>
0: That's all my notes. Yeah, I end. think... Do you have I anything think, else?
1: No, I think that's pretty much covered it. Um, And, yeah, hopefully people will come join the boot camp because it's cool. And it could possibly, for you, be a shortcut to early retirement extreme, financial independence.
0: If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about financial independence... <laughs> homesteading and permaculture
1: all all the time
0: time. don't forget go out to patreon.com slash paul wheaton and make a pledge for future
1: artifacts